Welcome to the Triathlon Nutrition Academy podcast, the show designed to serve you up evidence-based sports nutrition advice from the experts. Hi, I'm your host, Taryn, accredited practicing dietitian, advanced sports dietitian, and founder of Dietitian Approved. Listen as I break down the latest evidence to give you practical, easy-to-digest strategies to train hard, recover faster, and perform at your best. You have so much potential, and I want to help you unlock that with the power of nutrition. Let's get into it. Are you the type of runner that knows exactly where every public toilet is along your route? Or do you know that you've got maybe 7Ks before you know you'll need to find the loo on every run? Don't worry, you are not alone. 30 to 50% of athletes regularly suffer from gut upset while exercising. It can be totally frustrating and a point of stress, and sometimes that stress can make it worse. It's really common amongst endurance athletes. So gut symptoms like nausea, cramps, bloating, wind, worst case scenario, vomiting and diarrhea, and maybe even like dire straits is like that urgency where you've got to get to a toilet now and you're not sure you're going to make it. So today I wanted to share with you some tips to prevent runner's gut so you can start to tackle some of the nutritional issues that might be playing a part in the symptoms that you're experiencing. I want to give you the confidence back that you can run wherever you want without having to try and plan your routes based on toilet availability. You know, you want to be able to run with a friend and not be embarrassed about having to stop all the time. And finally piece together a run longer than maybe 7Ks without having to stop. It seems that the frequency, the intensity and the severity of those symptoms increases as your event distance increases. It may be worse for Ironman athletes who are doing much longer training sessions compared to somebody that might be just doing sprint Olympic distance triathlon where your sessions are much shorter in comparison. So why exactly does runner's gut happen? Well, it's multifaceted and highly individual, but some of the reasons could be that it's mechanical or physiological, or it could also be nutritional. We also know that the symptoms are exacerbated or made worse by dehydration and hot weather conditions. If you're a female, you're younger, and you run at high intensities, you may be at high risk of gut upset too. Damn it. Running causes an increase in intra-abdominal pressure, which when combined with our organs bouncing up and down, that can cause gut symptoms. So when we exercise, blood flow is redirected away from our gastrointestinal tract to the exercising muscles, our heart, our lungs, our diaphragm so we can breathe, our brain and our skin for cooling. Blood flow to our intestines, our digestive organs can be reduced by as much as like 80%, which is crazy. And that obviously compromises your gut function and can exacerbate symptoms. Hydration also plays a really important role. Dehydrated athletes, they've reported higher rates of nausea, abdominal cramping and delayed gastric emptying. So that's the rate that food leaves your stomach. And I guess nausea associated with that when you've got food stuck in your gut and it's not going anywhere. Combine that with decreased blood flow to the gut with dehydration, and it can cause increased permeability of the gut. So in plain English, things are moving across the gut walls in a way that they shouldn't be, causing gut upset. From a nutritional point of view, things like fat, fiber, protein, and high carbohydrate concentration, so osmolarity, they can all be associated with increased risk of gut symptoms. 
Fat, fiber, and protein, they all slow down digestion. So it's definitely not ideal to be consuming those things when you're running at pace. And we know that large amounts of carbohydrate may not be fully absorbed across the gut wall, and that leaves residual carbohydrate in the stomach. That obviously causes symptoms during exercise like bloating and fullness and nausea. And, you know, worst case scenario, if you're properly pushing the pace, the only way is out. So what can you do to prevent runner's gut? Here are a few tips. Number one, train your gut. The gut is extremely adaptable. Research in humans shows that you can train your gut in as little as about 30 days to increase your absorption capacity. That's pretty cool. So you want to train your gut just as you would train your muscles to absorb nutrition while you're exercising. Start small and slowly increase the quantities of food or fluids or both that you consume while you're running. But do it over a few weeks to months to build your tolerance up. You also want to try different types of foods or liquids or gels in training to figure out what works best for you. The golden rule of sports nutrition, never try anything new on race day. So many clients I've seen before they've come to see me, they wing it with every race with a completely different strategy based on how they're feeling on the day or what's available or what's on course. You should be practicing what you plan to race with in training for months before the big dance. Keep in mind though that gut symptoms are usually increased with distance, heat and humidity. So you'll likely need different strategies depending on the season, whether it's winter or summer, and the distance that you're running. Number two, play with different carbohydrate sources. So we know our gut absorption rate of glucose alone, that maxes out at about one gram a minute or 60 grams of carbs an hour. For the longer endurance events though, say greater than two hours, like a half and a full marathon or any 50K runners or 100K runners and ultra runners out there, you probably need more carbohydrate than that anyway. So you can increase your carbohydrate absorption capacity by utilizing different carbohydrates. So things like glucose and fructose, because we know they're absorbed across the gut wall via different pathways. So glucose can occur simultaneously to fructose absorption. Again, like anything, you wanna stick to smaller amounts and build your tolerance up over several weeks to months. Number three, avoid high fiber foods right before competition. Might be intuitive, but the number of people I've seen that don't do this is insane. So in the day or two heading into hard training or competition, you might want to look at decreasing your fiber intake to minimize the amount of undigested fiber that's left in your gut. So not my usual advice to you as a dietitian, but from a gut perspective, you might want to look at choosing things like more white refined breads and cereals instead of wholemeal and whole grain or the really dense ones. And keep high fiber veggies and fruits to a minimum as well. So it doesn't mean you have to cut them out altogether. Some low fiber options could be tomato or zucchini, olives, grapes, grapefruit. All of them have less than a gram of fiber per serve. So obviously this is not a long-term approach. I'd only do it for a day, maybe two ahead of a big competition. But generally, you should be consuming a really high fiber diet to regulate your bowel movements and keep you regular and keep your gut microbes happy. Number four, go easy on the coffee. If you have a sensitive gut, I'd probably look at avoiding drinking coffee on an empty stomach 
or right before hard runs. I know, I know, coffee is the best and, you know, it does have performance enhancing effects, but coffee is a really strong gut irritant and could be exacerbating your problems. So save your brew for post-exercise. There are plenty of other ways to get caffeine in, so don't stress. Number five, start exercise hydrated and make sure you stay hydrated. It goes without saying, right? But the number of athletes I see turn up to sweat testing already dehydrated is insane. Without the use of regular USG, so the urine-specific gravity that I test, you can just monitor the colour of your urine, and that can give you a good general idea of your hydration status. So you're aiming for pale, straw-coloured urine on a day-to-day basis as a good measure of hydration. If it's crystal clear, you're overdoing it. It's just pouring out through your kidneys and you're not doing a great job of retention. And if it's really dark then you probably need to drink more. During exercise, you typically need to drink to replace your sweat losses enough, right? Because you don't want to put yourself into the red of dehydration where performance is affected. So I'd suggest doing some sweat testing to figure out what your sweat rate actually is and do it across different environmental conditions. So you want to have an understanding of how you sweat in the height of summer where it's crazy hot And you also want to have an understanding of how you sweat through the winter months where it's much cooler. You don't want to have a strategy like anything that is just the same across the year. You need to have some structure and some purpose to what you're doing. Now, how much fluid you replace to minimize sweat losses is highly individual. It depends on how heavy a sweater you are. So somebody that sweats three liters an hour is obviously going to dehydrate much faster if they're not keeping pace with that than somebody that only sweats 500 mils an hour. So depending on who you are, you might want to replace maybe 50% of your sweat losses. Some people need to replace up to 80% of their sweat losses, depending on the conditions. And I guess the duration and the intensity are important for that as well. Again, something to practice. If your sweat rate is, you know, greater than three liters an hour, you will struggle to drink and absorb this volume of fluid without some serious gut training. And, you know, you may never get there either. It may not physically be possible to keep pace with that loss over a long run. Another good tip then is to have a good hit of water with your pre-exercise meal. So somewhere in the realms of 300 to 400 mils maybe, depends on who you are and what size you are, as that's going to prime the stomach to empty. And then you're absorbing your nutrition so that you can use it during exercise too. So again, something to practice. Start with a small volume, say 100 to 200 meals with your pre-exercise meal. And then build that up to say 350, 400 meals plus, depending on, again, depends on how big you are, a couple of hours before exercise. So a sports dietitian can help you with an individualized hydration plan to map that out for you. Let me know if this sounds like you. Do you feel exhausted by the end of the training week? Do you crave sweets in the afternoon and feel like you need a nap? Training for three disciplines can be absolutely exhausting if you haven't dialed in your nutrition. It can be frustrating when you can't quite piece together the solid race performance you know you're capable of and confusing when there's so much information out there but you're not sure what's the right method for you. My goal for you is to unlock your true potential and feel like a supercharged triathlete. Firing in all cylinders, full of energy, and not only smashing quality training sessions, performing in every race too. 
If you're finally ready to start nailing your nutrition, join a powerful community of like-minded athletes in the Triathlon Nutrition Academy program. Head to dietitianimprove.com forward slash academy to check it out now. For less than the cost of a coffee a day, you will finally have a plan for your nutrition instead of winging it and hoping for the best. Number six, your day-to-day diet is going to impact your ability to absorb nutrients while you're running. So we know based on research that increased gastric emptying of carbohydrates, so the food leaving your stomach and going further along the digestive tract, that's increased by daily dietary carbohydrate. So if you eat more carbohydrate, you're better at absorbing it. But interestingly, having a really high fat intake results in faster gastric emptying of fat, but not carbohydrate. How cool is that? So if you generally have a high carbohydrate diet, that increases your ability to absorb carbohydrate across the intestinal wall, which in turn allows for greater absorption and then oxidation of carbohydrate during exercise. So that's going to lower the chance of gut distress. So for those people that follow a low-carb, high-fat diet generally, your intestines respond by decreasing intestinal absorption of carbohydrate and increasing fat absorption. So if you then go try and ramp up your carbohydrate intake just before competition or do low-carb, high-fat and then have a whole heap of carbohydrate in your event, makes no sense because chances are you're not going to absorb that very well and you have a higher chance of running into GI issues on race day, pun intended. It's also unlikely you'll be able to increase your carbohydrate intake beyond the 60 grams per hour if that isn't something you've practiced in training. Your gut is trainable, but unless you're throwing the stimulus at it, it's not going to then train itself. Just like you can't sit on the couch and expect to run a marathon, you have to go out and do the training. Your gut is the same. So ideal scenario is you periodize your intake across the week. So you have some days of high carbohydrate availability and some days maybe with low carbohydrate availability, depending on what your goals are and your events are. Number seven, take a look at the low FODMAP test diet. A lot of runner's gut issues can be just what's going on in your day-to-day nutrition and that wreaking havoc. And it's not until you run that you get that increased jiggling of your stomach plus the low gut perfusion of blood that it stimulates peristalsis, which is that muscular movement of your gastrointestinal tract. It just moves things through quicker. So if your day-to-day diet is full of foods that you don't particularly digest well or break down well anyway, throw the stress of running at it, and it's obviously going to exacerbate that further. So have a look at implementing that with a sports dietitian or a general dietitian can do this as well, if that's something that could be a problem for you. So I'm going to run through a couple of foods and if you're the type of person that naturally avoids them because either you don't feel like you like them, maybe it's something you need to explore further because they could just be foods that you don't digest and tolerate well. So a couple of big ones are onion and garlic, apples and pears, mushrooms, cauliflower, normal breads or pastas, fruit juice, dried fruit, milk or yogurt or really, you know, high lactose type foods. If any of those foods are in the back of your mind going, yep, I definitely avoid those because I know that they're giving me issues, then there may be some benefit to going through a FODMAP test diet with a dietitian. Now, please don't pull this from the internet. This is exactly why I started this podcast, that you stop doing that. 
The FODMAP diet is a test diet and it only should be followed for two, maximum four weeks. And the premise is that you remove all of the foods that can be an issue for you and then you systematically reintroduce each group back in and figure out what the problem is. Now, it's not something to do on your own. You definitely need to do it with a dietitian that is qualified and experienced in this space because you can F it up. And we know that the longer you pull these foods out of your diet, the more you actually affect your gut microbiota, the bugs that are in your gastrointestinal tract. And they can have other long-term health implications. So please don't mess with it because I've seen so many people that get put on it by somebody that doesn't know what they're doing or their GP says, go and do this, here's a sheet. And then they're on it forever and they have no idea how to reintroduce foods back in. And the problem is that it just might be one maybe two groups of foods that could be a problem for you. It's not all of them, but you've been avoiding all of them unnecessarily. So your diet is limited and restricted, and that's not fun. So you lose all that good variety in your diet too. So definitely make sure if you're in the back of your mind, you're thinking this resonates with me or this is potentially me, do it with somebody that's qualified to do it and be systematic in your approach so you can get on it and then get off it quickly. So that's my seven tips for trying to deal with runner's gut. If something in there has resonated with you, then definitely try and get to the bottom of it. A lot of runner's gut symptoms are preventable, but there's no point just trying to wing it on your own. It's a really generally easy, quick fix, but you just need somebody that knows what they're doing to help you with it and get to the bottom of it really quickly because it sucks trying to run and needing to know where every toilet is on your route or also knowing that you've only got to 6Ks before you're going to need to go and stop and go to the toilet. Try and imagine a world where maybe you could run with others. (laughs) Or you could get 10 to 15Ks through without needing to go to the toilet. How good would that be? You could run longer, you could run better, you could run faster, and you could not have to use those disgusting portaloos in races. Ah, it'd be amazing. (laughs) So definitely get to the bottom of it. If runner's gut is a problem for you, stop trying to wing it yourself and actually get some strategy to what you're doing. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Triathlon Nutrition Academy podcast. I would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or want to share with me what you've learned, email me at podcast at dietitianapproved.com. You could also spread the word by leaving me a review and taking a screenshot of you listening to the show. Don't forget to tag me on social media at dietitian.approved so I can give you a shout out too. If you want to learn more about what we do, head to dietitianapproved.com. And if you want to learn more about the Triathlon Nutrition Academy program, head to dietitianapproved.com forward slash academy. Thanks for joining me and I look forward to helping you smash it in the fourth leg. Nutrition! Nutrition!